Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters and experts to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez, and I cover national politics. Ron's out sick, so it'll be just me. Sorry, guys. Today, we're breaking down the Phoenix mayoral race. This is maybe one of the few races where partisan labels don't really matter. Both Danny Valenzuela and Kate Gallego happen to be Democrats. We're joined today by Jessica Bain, who covers Phoenix City Hall for the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We're facing a real affordability crisis, and this has come up a lot on the campaign trail, and the candidates have offered some starts to interesting ideas. This is a race we've been watching for 17 months now. By the end of this, we'll either have our first Latino mayor or our first mother with a small child to hold the role. The race began friendly, but things are kind of heating up. This may be one of the priciest Phoenix mayoral races in history. Collectively, these two candidates have raised $3 million, and independent expenditure groups are getting involved now, too. Jessica, welcome back, and let's start with public safety. How are the two candidates different on that front? I'm glad we're starting here because public safety has really become the issue of the campaign, at least in the past few weeks. And now the biggest, most obvious difference between the two candidates on this front is that Daniel Valenzuela is a Glendale firefighter, so he actually works in this arena. And of course, when you're a firefighter running in a local race, that usually means you've got union support. And in this case, he surely does. And what comes along with that? Money. Beyond that obvious difference, though, Kate Gallego, Daniel Valenzuela, they've mostly taken similar votes on public safety issues. There is one sort of controversial vote difference that the unions have really highlighted recently. In 2016, Gallego voted against a property tax increase. Valenzuela's supporters have painted that as a vote against public safety, and Gallego's supporters refute that. So for voters who are really trying to get past the, the candidate talking points on that issue. Let's kind of zoom in on that a little bit. What exactly are both sides saying about that vote and why has it been so controversial? Yeah, so the 2016 vote, it was a property tax rate increase and it was the first one the city was considering in like 20 years. So it's pretty controversial. And basically, we needed some extra funding source to be able to balance the proposed budget for the next year. Part of that budget, about 69% of it actually, was allocated for public safety. So Gallego actually voted to approve the budget. She just didn't vote for the property tax. So she was suggesting that the council look to other funding sources, maybe use the money that they had for arena renovations for the Suns, something like that. So Valenzuela's supporters, however, connect that no vote on property tax to essentially be a no on public safety. And Gallego's supporters say that's too big of a jump. But regardless, there is an ad all over TV right now with police officers and firefighters saying Gallego voted against funding, and it's definitely becoming a sore spot. But other than that vote, there's not really much difference in their records. Is that a good read? I would say so. Other than that one vote, their records are pretty darn similar. Uh, But like I mentioned, Daniel is a firefighter, and if he's going to win this race, it's going to be on this issue. 
So what he's doing now is really playing up his leadership roles on things, kind of saying, yeah, our records might be the same, but I was the one working behind the scenes to make these things happen, to make sure we got more funding for officers. So that's kind of the current message out there. So it seems as though they are just trying to do the old who do you trust more kind of game with voters. Do you trust a firefighter or do you trust someone who, you know, has served for several years now on the council and doesn't have any other kind of public safety credentials that she could play up other than her record? Right. And I mean, the fact that that Valenzuela is a firefighter is definitely an asset and one that he's trying to play up more than he did in the initial election in November, I would say. Okay. So do you have a sense of how law enforcement actually would look different under each of these candidates? You know, when Valenzuela talks, he really seems to be laser focused on creating more officer positions. Uh, He often points out that we are 500 officers short of where we were 10 years ago. And, you know, Gallego has also said that she would push for additional officer positions. Um, You know, basically, she said recently, hey, look, no matter who becomes mayor, we're going to work on officer hiring. And she's probably right on that. You know, no smart politician is going to ignore public safety. I do believe both of them are smart. And Phoenix clearly has some work to do in that arena. The one thing I will say, however, is that Valenzuela clearly has a camaraderie with the police and fire unions, um, and Gallego's not going to have that if she is elected. So those uh, personal relationships could affect how quickly some of the public safety asks are handled. So I feel like we have a good grasp now of kind of how they feel on that front. So let's move to transportation and development to other key issues. The proposed light rail extension in South Phoenix has been obviously very controversial. I've been following your stories. Where do the candidates stand on that? You know, this is one of the many issues where they're pretty much in lockstep agreement. They both support light rail. They both want it to come to South Phoenix. Um, What is interesting, though, is that there is a growing group of vocal people who really hate light rail. And in fact, there's a citizen initiative scheduled for the August election where voters will decide whether there will be any further light rail extensions in Phoenix. And I would venture to guess that either Mayor Valenzuela or Mayor Gallego will have their hands full in the first few months of their term uh, campaigning against that initiative. Downtown has received almost all of our attention over the past couple of decades. There are people, though, who live on the outskirts of Phoenix. How are each of the candidates going to make Phoenix work for all of the city and surrounding areas? That's a great question and one we hear frequently from our readers and one we posed at our debate. Uh, Gallego basically said when asked that question, that we need to multitask, that downtown is important, but we need to make sure that all corners of the city are getting support. Valenzuela, I would say, was a little more focused on downtown, basically saying, hey, this is where we're generating money. And the more we generate tax dollars downtown, the more we can spend on public safety and other priorities across the city. 
What interested me is that both Gallego and Valenzuela seem to still be supportive of some of the more controversial tax incentives that we give developers downtown. And those are becoming less popular. Both of them said, however, that they think it's still an important tool to be used with discretion, but that it still has a role. So that kind of um, surprised me that they were so um, in line on that as well. So in terms of tax breaks, these incentives have helped developers who essentially prop up housing that is not affordable to most Phoenix residents. How are they going to deal with that issue? Honestly, like personal aside here, I could never afford to buy today in the neighborhood that I bought in at the bottom of the market in 2009. I'm a journalist. Journalists don't make a lot of money. My husband's a journalist. They don't make a lot of money. What do people like us and below our income levels do? Where do you live? Yeah, we're facing a real affordability crisis. And, you know, you're talking about your neighborhood. Downtown is like 10 times worse than even where, you know, other folks live in the city. I The average downtown apartment costs $1,600 a month. I mean, yeah, talk about a journalist salary. I couldn't live here. Um, and basically, this has come up a lot on the campaign trail. And the candidates have offered some starts to interesting ideas. Uh, Gallego has pointed to some of the vacant land that the city owns. Some of that is near downtown. And she has suggested, you know, partnering with nonprofits or developers to build something affordable on this currently wasted space. Um, And there is some of that already happening, uh, but she's pushing to continue that. And Daniel has, you know, shown his support for a policy that the council is actually working on right now that would require developers who are getting incentives from the city, like those tax breaks we were talking about, to offer at least 10% of their units at a reduced rate. And I would say both ideas are a starting point, but based on what I have heard and witnessed in the last few years covering the city of Phoenix, I'm expecting the affordability issue to be probably one of the most important ones that the mayor will handle. And I look forward to hearing more plans. I would think for, for good reason, obviously. So looking at this race and this seat in the long term and the people who will actually decide this race, hopefully some of you listeners, we have to remember that we have a very dynamic and changing electorate. Absolutely. And, you know, something that struck me is that voters don't seem to be as impressed by the same things maybe that they used to be. Um, Obviously, the race isn't over yet, but based on the November results, uh, Gallego was significantly ahead. And that was kind of a surprise to a lot of people. Uh, Daniel, when he announced, was the perceived front runner. He has had so many endorsements from the fire unions, the police unions, the chambers, really every important business leader you can think of. Um, That used to be enough. I think even 10 years ago, probably, that would have locked up a mayoral election. But, you know, things are changing and, and those groups don't seem to have the same amount of influence that they once did. Why do you think that it is? I remember covering a couple of those races back in the day, and you're right. Like, that seemed to be the winning formula. You got the unions, you got the money, you had the bodies to knock on doors. Those firefighters would come out in, in mass for the candidates. And that 
doesn't really seem to be the case, or at least it doesn't seem to be resonating with voters in the same way. So what's up with that? I'm not entirely sure. I think a big part of it in this race specifically um, is that you know, unions in the chamber used to be the biggest donors in local elections, and they still are big donors. But Gallego actually outraised Valenzuela, which, again, was surprising to many people. And she did so by leveraging a lot of national Democratic Party money. And as you know, most people know, her ex-husband, who is supporting her campaign, is Congressman Ruben Gallego. So she has a lot of national connections there. She's also received a lot of money from groups that support women in politics. And we saw a rise of those during the November election. And so none of the top 10 cities in the United States have an elected female mayor. So her success would be a big deal to some people. So perhaps the old formula isn't working because people have found ways to fundraise without the old guard. She does seem to be quite the policy wonk, too. She definitely is. And, you know, and that's been used as a criticism sometimes because there was definitely a time where she wasn't as uh, easy to talk to or relatable to some groups of people here. Uh, But I do think that both candidates, both Valenzuela and Gallego, have come a long way in their public uh, ability to portray themselves and to speak and you know, I, I think that it's been really kind of fun for me to watch uh, their their public personalities develop so much in the last couple of years now. So I'm not going to ask for any predictions a la 2016, but I will ask for final takeaways. I mean, you've been covering this race for some time now and you've got to see these candidates up close. What are your final takeaways? You know, honestly, these last few weeks have gotten a little heated and it's been exhausting. Uh, But I was really heartened recently when the candidates sat down with our editorial board and they both talked about what it would mean to the community if they were elected. Valenzuela would be the first Latino mayor, and that clearly would be significant to a segment of our community. And he shared with us a lot of the obstacles he's had to overcome to get here. It certainly hasn't been an easy journey for him. And as for Gallego, you know, she spoke very candidly about her divorce and explained that her ex-husband is in Washington most of the week. So she's basically a single mom for a lot of the time. And she's a young woman with a small child, and she's trying to become the mayor of the fifth largest city. And, you know, she said she hopes that encourages other young women, young mothers to pursue their passions. And politics, you know, it can get ugly, and unfortunately local races are not exempt from that. Uh, But it was nice to take a human moment and think about the impact of both of their candidacies and, and how they've really resonated with our community. Well, I think that is a very nice party note. To keep up with the race, Jessica, where can listeners find you? Yeah, please keep up with me and my coverage on Twitter. I'm at jbame underscore news, and bame is B-O-E-H-M. And some short details on election dates that voters need to keep in mind as they are receiving their early ballots or as they make their way to vote. Absolutely. This is a weird March race, so it's very 
strange to most people. So you should be getting your early ballots in the mail if you haven't already. Uh, And the election is March 12th. So there are some voting center set up. I know at City Hall, I'm already seeing that you can come in and vote. So if you want to do that, you have until March 12th. Otherwise, March 12th is your election day. And if people are having problems getting their ballots or they have um, other issues tied to the election, who can they call? They should call the city of Phoenix. This is not a county election. This is one handled by the city. So Uh, that's a little confusing as well. We've got all kinds of uh, differences with this March election. And if you need to navigate uh, the city and who to call, you can check out the phone directory at phoenix.gov. You can also DM uh, Jessica. I'm sure she will happily help guide you through your voting experience. Yes, please let me know if you're having problems. That's it for today, Gaggle listeners. If you have questions, reach out to me on Twitter at Yvonne Winchett. And we want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on the show? The state of politics, our coverage, what topics should we be tackling? What should we let go? Chime in on Twitter with the hashtag TheGagglePod. We'll be sure to reply. And if you like the show, please subscribe and leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Your support is what makes it possible for us to do this each week. Today's episode was edited and produced by Taylor Seeley, Taya Francesca Price, Katie O'Connell, and Kayla White. Thanks again. We'll be back next Wednesday.